All right, we're back. Hurt Business Radio, episode seven. I'm joined by the classy one, Ben Damon. Thank and you. And the matador, Jade Mitchell. Yep. I'm Mickey Caparelli. Hi. How are we, fellas? Well, I've already said well, thank you. I am well. I didn't know how uh, long the intro was going, but it was a good one. Um, and it's great to be back uh, back in the country and back on air with you boys. Nice. Jade, how's things? Uh, everything's good, Mickey. Um yeah, besides a slight injury, we've just had to postpone our next fight till I'm hoping to be back September. But outside of that, all is good, brother. Good stuff, good stuff. We've got a big, big day of, of boxing to cover. We've got Horn with Crawford. Possible talks of Horn fighting Mundane. There's a lot of speculation there. Chris George against Josh Kelly and uh, Luke Jackson gets his mega fight with Carl Frampton. Where do we start? Yeah. There's a bit going on. I guess we have to probably start by reviewing uh, Horn against Crawford, which um, uh, we discussed in depth, obviously, in our most recent episode. Uh, pretty much went as the vast majority of the boxing world expected it to go. We held out hope, and we were certainly proud of uh, Jeff Horn. He gave it his all. But, yeah, gee, he is something else, Terence Crawford. He may be... As I said in the uh, post-fight interview with Jeff Horn, he may not have a lot of class outside the ring, but he's a classy boxer. Man, that was um, that was just so impressive by Crawford. I look, I, I, yeah. I, I really, really hope that was not the way it was going to go down. I knew that he'd be a classy boxer and be able to fight well off the back foot, but I can't believe how strong Crawford looked coming up in weight. This is a guy who started as a lightweight world champion. Clean, cleaned out Junior Welter, and now at welterweight, probably the most rough and tumble, rugged man of them all, Jeff Horn. He at times he was manhandled Horn. Um, he just he seemed to have yeah. horns. Yeah, that that's it surprised the hell out of me. Geez, he looks strong at the weight, and um, I think I think he's put everyone on notice. I, I think he's the man to beat him and Errol Spence. Uh, Thurman's been on the on the. He's been out for a while now, but um, it's an exciting division and he certainly arrived. Yeah, he has. I don't think they'll be fighting uh, Crawford and Spence for quite some time, but it is a very intriguing fight if and when it does happen. But yeah, you're right. He looked so strong. He was so in control. And the way that he punches, as we said before the fight, moving backwards and how hard and how fast he counter punches. Uh, Jeff went in there and did what he does and tried to get in tight, tried to rush him, tried to crowd him and, and tried to bully him. But Time and time again, he just found himself getting clipped on the way in. And really, it didn't look like there was another plan after that wasn't going right. And, um, yeah, it was a bit inevitable uh, when it was finally called off. But, um, yeah, extremely impressive uh, from Crawford. And now, I guess, for Horn, we look to uh, what happens next, Mickey. Yeah, I mean, look, you'd think because Crawford's such a a skillful fighter, you'd think Horn would at least try and, you know, use these bullying tactics that he used against Paku, but he just couldn't. Do you think the the moment got to him? Um, well, I was with him in the dressing room before both of the fights you mentioned, so when he beat Manny Pacquiao and when he lost to Terence Crawford. And, look, there wasn't a great deal of difference in the mood. Um, maybe there was a slight bit more confidence uh, in the Pacquiao fight, given that he was the challenger because they'd been working for this fight. And then in the Crawford fight, obviously, they'd sort of been painted into a corner. And while, for all intents and purposes, they did want that fight, it wasn't their decision to take it. So maybe there was a slightly different mood. I don't think we saw him get out there and be completely overawed, but... 
he was just outgunned, I reckon, in the ring because Crawford was so good and because maybe everyone underestimated just how fast those hands are and they are world-class fast and, um, yeah, Jeff just ran out of answers. But I don't think that he got out there and um, I, I froze, no. I don't think Jeff no, Horn is the type of guy to get overawed by anything, really. I, I just I just believe that... Um, no. Look... I just believe that styles make fights. And if you look at the way that Manny Pacquiao attacks, he attacks in wave after wave of of, um, of attack. He's always got a second attack yeah. on the go. And Jeff was able to stifle that. Whereas Crawford, he fights off the back foot. He fights coming forward. Um, he just continually creates angles and options. Yeah. Whereas Pacquiao is just in your face, wave after wave of attack. And Horn was able to stop that second attack. Um, just with his, just with his pressure, it just they really did their homework well, and I don't think, I don't think we've seen the best of Crawford. I don't, I, I don't know if uh, people are going to be able to work, work that, work that riddle out, um, not for a long time yet, anyway. Yeah, and it'd be such a um, jaded, it'd be such a frustrating style to face, I would have thought that Terence Crawford moving backwards and hitting hard like he does, not engaging and constantly forcing you to make the pace, but then getting out of there and hitting you on the way out. Like it, it, it caused a great deal of frustration. Oh, you could tell. 100%. It just, it, it, he'd be an absolute nightmare in there. You wouldn't know whether he's coming or going. And the thing is, is yeah. the entire time with that variation, he just, just is a master of distance and also uh, just his accuracy was unbelievable in through traffic his accuracy was amazing like his punch placement is yeah. it's some of the best in the world right now him and Vasil Lomachenko it was awesome traces of a Jade Mitchell in there didn't you think <laughs> yeah let's not get ahead of ourselves come on he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's not bad yeah yeah no injured shoulders. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, never mind. Um, so, yeah, in terms of what happens next, uh, all the talk immediately afterwards was about Horn v. Mundine. It was even there beforehand. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it has made uh, sense for a while and now it makes a lot of sense. I, I think we probably will see uh, Horn against Mundine. They'll be meeting the two parties uh very shortly, next uh, late next week, in fact, and uh, discussing how they can make this happen. The talk is November, and uh, there's uh, every chance it'll end up being in Brisbane, obviously, with the um, with the pool that uh, Horn has there. The query is on the weight, but um, I believe they'll probably find a middle ground somewhere around 71 kilos. And uh, I, I believe that we'll probably see this fight happen. Obviously, there are options for Horn to continue to campaign at welterweight for now to try and get back up in the rankings. But, um, yeah, it looks like the Mundine camp want this one to happen next. And uh, Glenn Rushton certainly, and therefore Jeff Horn, seem to be pretty keen to make that one happen before they head back down. Yeah, well, it's supposedly you'd think it was an easier fight for Horn. So I think he's, you know, he deserves... a quote-unquote softer touch coming off a loss uh, but do you think if it was let's say happen at, at junior middle you know there's a lot of talk of horn being big for welterweight you think he can he might just start campaigning at junior middle given that it's less of a stacked division still pretty you know a lot of killers in there but gee it's, yeah the welterweight just 
yeah, it, yeah, you, yeah. Probably it, it's a, a, well, slightly an easier division, but gee, there's some um, some extremely strong fighters there. Um, the the likes of Mungia and um, Charlo and all those sorts of fellas. But yeah, you're right. It, it, there's obviously an opportunity for Horn to fight against Mundine if he gets through that. Then stay at. Um, junior middle, but uh, they do have designs on heading back to welterweight. So it'd just be a case of seeing how he goes with Mundine, I guess. Uh, Jade, what do you think about the Horn v. Mundine fight? How do you think that goes down if it is around that 71 um, kilos? I, I actually really like the fight uh, at this stage in both their careers. Uh, Mundine, who's carried the sport for the past 15 years, gets to get out on a uh, on a decent, decent show, decent payday. Um, and I think it's a great rebound fight for Horn. Um, Horn blazes him out of there. Uh, Mundine's an excellent, excellent boxer. I think he'd be on his bike all night. Um, he's still got a bit of pop. I don't think Horn absolutely blows him out of there. But then again, I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm not on the fence at all with who wins that fight. Jeff Horn undoubtedly wins that fight for me. But. Does Mundine have enough to be able to uh, stay on his bike and outbox at the age that he is now? Um, that I think it's a really it's a good looking fight. Like obviously the age factor in Mundine and the query as to who turns up on the night is there. But you know if we can take that out of it, if we know that Mundine's going to be fit and ready and he's going to be able to um, potentially go the distance, then aesthetically I think it's a really good fight because you're going to have that thing of Horn chasing again like he had to against Crawford but Mundine's there to get hit and we saw against Mundine in his most recent outing against Tommy Brown that he's willing to throw his hands and he's still got a fair bit of power there so yeah it could be an entertaining fight and it's one of those ones while there'll be plenty in the uh, boxing world and certainly in the broader public saying oh, I'm not going to watch that it's a cash grab it's embarrassing but Come fight night, it's another one that uh, all of Australia will tune into, no doubt. I would hope that the card is stacked with um, good Australian talent, like what the Duke, like what the JUCO cards, maybe you, maybe me, like what the how the JUCO cards have been stacked so far. I'd love to fight on a show like that. Any well, it could any work of the out shows would be great. Yeah, November they're talking about. You will have uh, returned in September, yeah, and you'll back up with fresh shoulders. Yes, mate. Yeah. Um, all, all going well. We'll be on again. We'll be on in September, and then I'd love to fight in November. Because as I always have sort of fought every two months, um, if if the body's right, even throughout my entire career, the body's never really been right. But um, I don't say that. That's the plan, mate. To fight September and then November. Yeah, don't be like that. Come on, you look alright. No, 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 no. I, uh, I, <laughs> I look. What, what about um, uh, the Matador against Bill Alakaway as the uh, main undercard for a fight like that? Yeah, you've never mentioned him. Was that a fight you'd fancy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice one, smartass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> listen, that would be that'd be great on on the undercard of a big big uh, big fight like that. If the whole of Australia is tuning in, it'd be great to get these all Australian matchups on these cards. Okay, is that yeah? Look, that'll do. I don't know. What do you want? You want me to talk some smack? What are you? What are you trying to do here, Prodden? What do you want? Oh well, you know the floor is yours if you if you want to. You know, <laughs> Kerry Foley's been a bit quiet since you pulled out. Has there been any, I guess, dialogue with him and his team since you know since your injury? 
You know what? Yeah, it's all very polite. No, well, it's, it's been it's been. I I totally thought Kerry was going to rip into me, but it's um it's been. Man, he I suppose he understands. He's had a neck injury himself. This isn't my neck that's playing up. That was one of the things that was playing up. But I've found out in the Yardi fight, the injury to my neck, um, my neural foramen that holds my nerve core in place. That, that got destroyed in that fight on the back of my C6 vertebrae. So now it's just the nerve core. Every now and again will get inflamed. So the little bit of pain and pins and needles that I had, it's not the disc impinging on the spinal cord or my nerve core. It's purely my nerve core isn't held in place properly anymore. So I've got, I'm going to have that issue. So that's, 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 that's not going to be, not going to hold me back from fighting at all. It's just a little bit of discomfort I can put up with. But my actual, my shoulder, um, that's something that if I can c- continued on and went into the fight with, I most probably would have been looking at um, at a surgery on my shoulder. But I can rehab it and get it healthy now. And Kerry Kerry's dealt with injuries himself, so it's been very respectful from their end. Um, I think I've copped maybe one or two is fear and injury. And <laughs> did he hurt his did he hurt his vagina? I actually I quite like that one. But um, yeah, yeah, it's been it's been. Been great. So, I uh, yeah. if if I'm back in action in September, um, that's that that fight should go ahead. And uh, and also too, I love I love the feedback as well. All 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 of Australian boxing seems to like the fight. So they're the fights you want to be in. So I'm keen as mustard to um, square off with Kerry. It'll be a ripper. Yeah, well, Good. Hopefully it does okay. still come off. Yeah. Right, moving on yep. to. Across the shores, we saw Chris George and Josh Kelly. Yeah, um, got up nice and early for that one. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's another one that pretty much went exactly as um, the vast majority expected. In that um, Kelly did get Chris George out of there um, in the middle rounds, but he gave a really good account of himself. He is tough, Chris George, no doubt at all. And until his hands gave way, he was right in there punching and catching Kelly with some really good shots. And I guess. The vast majority of um, the feedback out of the fight has been maybe Josh Kelly isn't as good as everyone was thinking he was going to be, or maybe Chris George is just a little bit better than people thought he was. Oh, he looks I think people are selling. I think George is selling. I, I think people are selling George short. Um, George is, uh, besides Molina, he's probably the best best guy that um, Kelly's been in there with, but. Man, Kelly was impressive, and the thing is, is he's been groomed to be a superstar by Eddie Hearn. Um, he's, 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 he's. They've got a big, uh, big plans in play for him, and for for George to go over there, he was always up against it. And for mine, Kelly was in control the entire time. George showed how durable he is, and that Kelly can be hit. Um, but for mine, Kelly was just, um, just too much. George on the night. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't uh, know if, about you guys, but I, I pretty much gave him every round. Even though, you know, he was oh, he did take a few. He, yeah, I don't, I don't think George probably did enough to take any rounds. Same with the Horn fight. They had their moments, but, yeah, not enough to, to nick any rounds. But, yeah, still made a brave account of himself, I guess, better than, you know, a lot of people over there yeah. who hadn't heard of Chris George would have given him credit for, which is For great. sure, yeah. I, I think that's the thing. He, he did give a better account of himself than most people expected. And uh, as to what happens from here for him, well, there was some um, talk immediately afterwards that maybe his, um, his coach had said that that had 
be enough for Chris George, but I would be surprised if that is the case after having suffered at least one significant hand injury and another minor one during that fight. Um, you would expect he'll come back and try and rebuild. And with the welterweight division being as strong as it is uh, in Australia, there's still some very good fights there and um, some really exciting um, avenues that can be taken for every welterweight in Australia. So we'll see what they do decide to do. Um, I'm sure he is back in the country and... Uh, hopefully healing up well. Yeah, look, I, I can't wait. You know, once Josh Kelly gets up there, gets a few more fights and then starts taking on these, you know, these killers at welterweight, it'll be interesting to see how he, yeah, how he does against them because yeah. he really does look the good. He's got that Lomachenko-esque movement that, you know, just that evasiveness and it's just, be- it's actually a beautiful style to watch. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's very, very classy, isn't he? Um, moves really nicely, punches hard and um, is evasive and, you know, looks the part as well. So um, with Eddie Hearn uh, doing the promoting for him, he could very well turn into a megastar over there in the not-too-distant future. And then, yeah, there's obviously all those names we've already mentioned in the welterweight division. They could get them to the UK once he's ready and who knows what could happen. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, he's very marketable, you know. He's very popular with the ladies. And Is that right? Well, yeah, I mean... You've got a poster. <laughs> Uh, have you got anything signed yet not yet not yet okay hopefully Uh, in the near future what mickey does like jade is programs when we went over to the uk for the um lucas brown dillian white and the joseph parker anthony joshua fights mickey left with bundles of programs in his arms um he's mildly obsessed like dan rayfield he's always showing his collectibles and things like that so not quite on on that level yeah but (laughs) yeah not quite on Maybe that, and you do have more than so. one. Uh, you do have more than one polo fleet. What I do want, though, Josh Kelly's shorts actually Go were modelled on Roberto Duran's shorts. Okay, though, actually, yeah. Where um, would you wear them, though? It's just around the house, sort of thing. Are you thinking, or would that? Yeah, be you know, just walk around. You know, with the missus, <laughs> be like, hey, anything you have like a memorabilia room, surely. Oh, Mickey. All right, well, I'll make some inquiries for you. I'll see if we can um, sort those so, out. Done, done. I'll follow you up on that. Mickey Caparelli loves his programs and boyish good looks. There we go. There We've got to have hobbies. Um, do we move along now to another massive fight that is happening in that sort of part of the world with uh, our own Luke Jackson heading over to fight Carl Frampton? The 18th of August, it's going to be at... Um, a big stadium in Belfast, Windsor Park, an outdoor event, Tyson Fury on the undercard, um, but a huge opportunity for Luke Jackson. Um, really excited that he's got this opportunity. It's been building for a little while, but um, it does look a tough fight, doesn't it, Carl Frampton? When you look at the resume of Jackson to this point, Carl Frampton will go into this one as a massive favourite. Do you see any chance, fellas, that um, Luke Jackson, while we'll all be cheering for him, uh, can get in there and spring a massive upset. One, one thing there's no doubt, no doubt in my mind, Luke Jackson will come prepared 100, 100%. He'll be super no prepared. And as far as as far as Luke Jackson's career as a professional, um, if you look down, you look down the the list of fellas he's fought. No one, no one reads like yep. Carl Frampton. He hasn't hasn't faced any super world beaters. But Luke Jackson is probably one of the most well-credentialed amateurs we've we've had. He's beaten guys like Lucas Walters yeah, in the amateurs. He's he's fought he's fought at the highest level for so many years, and he's such a professional. So, look, it's Lucas Walters, Nicholas Walters' brother. No, Nicholas Walters. Go on. 
Do not do not do that again. I always say that instead of that. Anyway, anyway, moving on. Thank you, Ben. It's all Thanks. right. Okay. You're up. All good. All good. <laughs> it happens a lot Australian boxing. It seems to be a trend where we sort of build up our resume, but then instead of fighting some of the say top contenders, you go straight into a mega fight and come up short. Yeah. Do you think? Well, there's a, there's a number can, of reasons. Like you look at Anthony Yard, right? Yeah. So you look, you look at Anthony Yard, who's who's a Frank Warren fighter. He and he turned down fights with Better Beev and Kovalev because he just wasn't ready yet, and thought you know another opportunity will come. Do you think no. that could have been the case here? Or yeah, but then with an Anthony Yard, he's signed to a promoter who's putting on big events very regularly. Yeah. He's probably got sponsors. Um, he's well positioned and he knows where his fights and his incomes coming from. Whereas these guys in Australia, because of the landscape here because there's not enough big promoters putting on regular shows because there's not enough investment in the sport from television and there's just not enough income. So they build these records, they get a world ranking, and then when the opportunity comes, the decision to say, no, I'll wait, is a very, very difficult one. So you can completely See, understand that, why these blokes take these shots. Do you think that'll change in the next few years? Oh, it's, I, I'd hope so. That's, that's something that I'm going through, that we're going through now. We've... We tried our best to get a um, to get a top fifteen opponent to Australia, but we're so far away from America and Europe, and the money that they the money that they're getting over there is uh, it's 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 great compared to what we can actually give them here. It's just the finances just are not here. Um, that's that's the biggest problem for all us Aussie guys. It's just we cannot afford the world class guys. And um, and to climb the ladder, so we're, you've got to you've really got to try and pick pick the right guys along the way um, to to give to give you that that experience. But it's just, it's just hard when you don't have the budget there. So whether or not that's the that's the issue that Jacko's had. But I look at um, I look at the Maloney twins. They're probably across the board. They're the highest rated fighters out of anyone in Australia right now in the world. Um, the way they've been brought along and the money that Lyndon Hosking has invested in those boys has been amazing. The job that Lyndon Hosking and and, and um, the Maloney's team have done, Tony Tolge, uh, matching those boys, progressively their, their competition's gotten better and better and better. Because they're in the smaller weight divisions, a lot of the best fighters in the world are from these countries that um, that you can get fighters a little bit cheaper from. I know the boys have fought some amazing Filipino fighters in the lighter weight divisions. There's no such thing as a Filipino super middleweight or a Filipino light heavyweight. And if there is, they're certainly not world class because once upon a time they'll probably a flyweight or something. But that that's the thing. In the smaller weight divisions, they're able to get these fights and those boys have been brought along perfectly. Um, whether or not Jacko has been able to land, has had issues landing... Um, Better opposition because of because of finances, but yeah, they've also had some withdrawals, some late withdrawals yeah. on some of his fights as well. So they have tried to to build a level of opponents, no doubt at all. But um, yeah, as it's turned out, uh, he goes into this fight not having fought anyone sort of except, anywhere near the level of a Carl Frampton. But yeah, you know, it's a fight that yeah. I except for him as an amateur. Yeah, no doubt. Mm. So it's, it's just it's 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 tough. It's tough, and there's so much tall poppy that goes on. It's people always want to hang sh- shit on Aussie fighters for not fighting anyone before they get there. And yeah, if you wa- 
if you walked a mile, but it's not easy. Our, our shoes not easy to fighters, do. You see how hard it is and how disheartening it is when you have fight after fight after fight fall through because you just you can't afford these guys, or you'd finally think you're going to land someone like Vijendra Singh. We thought that fight was done, and now he's fighting a, an absolute nobody for better money, which I can understand from a business standpoint. But that fight was ripped away from me. But anyway, I'll, uh, that's, there's me, there's me, Rand. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about Luke Jackson at the moment, but, uh, but I do understand the pain you're going through. I, I know, but, that's, no, but that's, that's, that's my pain. That's, and that's the pain of what all, a lot of us Aussie fighters cop. And then on top of that, we're copping shit from Joe Blow, who doesn't know the first thing about boxing, who does not understand. Yeah, he doesn't understand. Exactly right. And, and, and doesn't understand why these fights have to be taken. Like, yeah, there were certainly a lot of those who were laying into the Jackson Frampton fight immediately. And, um, you know, you have to resist going back on social media and trying to explain it to every single person. But, uh, what all that we can do is, um, well, I'm hoping to get over there with Luke Jackson when he has that fight and I'll be cheering and he's such a, such a great fella and he's such a hard worker and I really hope that, um, he can spring an upset because it'd be world changing for him. It'd, it'd ultimately put him on a, a course for a completely different life. And, um, yeah, he's, he's right in the fight. So we, uh, wish him the, the very, very best. And I think that we might have him. Uh, actually on the show in uh, one of the upcoming episodes as well. So looking forward to that. Speaking of um, options for fighters, like you think, look at someone like Cambosis who relocated to LA. Do you think you know that could be an option for some fighters? Like I know that in itself is expensive and difficult to do, but is there any way that that could work for for someone like Cambosis? Well, it's been done well and it's been done poorly in the past where people have uh, relocated, um, particularly to LA. Um, some guys have gone over there and it just has not worked out at all, but uh, others have gone over and managed to make it all work. So Cambosis, I guess we just have to wait and see. I see that he has got a place on the um, Pacquiao v Matisse undercard. Should that fight go ahead? Because um, yeah, that, there's still queries as to whether that fight will uh, happen with some money still due to be paid to the uh, Matisse side from the Pacquiao side, from Michael Conce in particular. But Cambosis has been um, named on that undercard. He's fighting against uh, a Filipino opponent, and Jade mentioned that um, some of these uh, guys do bump up in weight to take fights. The Filipinos and there's another one here. His name's J.R. Magbu. He's a former IBF Pan Pacific Super Bantamweight champion. He's fighting obviously at uh, lightweight here against George Cambosis, and it should be a, a pretty easy win for Cambosis, you would think, on that undercard. So a chance to look good, but not against a flash opponent. Hmm. Yeah, I, I. The thing is, is with you relocate. These promoters aren't going to do you any favors at all. No one, no one is your friend um, overseas. I, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's fine. They've, they've given George's first fight over there was against a journeyman. He blew him out of there like George should, because uh, he's, he's world class. He's the real deal. It, for mine, Cambosis is a real deal. Um, this next fight, he should blow the guy out of there as well. But it'll be interesting to see how that where they go after after this. It's awesome that he's on the undercard of a Pacquiao fight, um, and he's he's got the he's got the in there with um, Justin Fortune, and he's Manny's sparring partner. Um, 
So it's just going to be interesting to see how they handle George's career um, a few fights down the track because he is a rated fighter. Are they going to try and snip it from him? When when has when has when has an American promoter really ever done Australian fighters? Um, have they done us any favours? You've got to earn everything. So it's a very very hard 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 way to make it to the top over there in America. But um, if anyone can do it, I think George Cambosis can. All right, onto the heavyweights. Lucas Brown's making his comeback against Roger Aizanrate. Um, I guess it's you know it's a logical fight after what happened you know against Dylan White. You'd think he'd, he should blow him out of there in a in a couple of rounds. We last saw Aizanrate fight Alex Leopai and the Jeff Horn Gary Corcoran undercard. What do you think about that? Yeah, he's a big awkward um, style of a fella. He's been around forever. Has um, Roger and Lucas was just desperate as we know to get back into the ring after what happened against Dylan White. Um, he was as frustrated as he always is with Ricky Hatton, who was refusing to get back to him or to his manager either about uh, their desire to put him into a fight. Um, obviously, finally, he has got back and said, OK, you can have a fight over there. But um, it's not a good way to have to try and reestablish yourself after the first loss of your career to be begging on social media to get a fight and the good thing is that at least he has got this one and people can criticise the level of the opponent, but um, he's just got to get back into the ring and have a couple of decent fights and then their plan is to head back off to the UK or maybe take a fight in Eastern Europe or America, but um, if he can get a couple of wins, there's still money to be made for Lucas Brown, no doubt. Yeah, you'd think he could still get at least one you know, big fight and then who knows what can happen from there. I mean, it's the heavyweight division, Lucas can bang, so who knows? It's one thing that Lucas Brown certainly can do, and that's bang. Um, Roger Eisen is also a bit of a puncher. I, I, I think it's a fun fight, and I think it's a great fight for Lucas to to get busy, get back in the mix. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the future holds. Yeah, they want um, potentially uh, next up would be a fight with someone like, well, maybe another fight here, but after that a, a fight with someone like a Dave Allen or um, one of those sorts of heavyweights. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know how far off he is getting back in the mix with those um, those big guys. But, obviously, they have to be winning and he'll have to be looking pretty good. But um, a fight with, with someone like a, a David Allen in the UK could be fun and could reestablish him there if they can uh, take that in a couple of fights' time. He did respond on social media saying, you know, that he fancies it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, he fights whoever really um, I think he'd be happy to go in with Lucas, no doubt. He has fought previously um, Dillian White. He got stopped by Luis Ortiz. Um, and since yeah. then, he's been sort of just hanging around and fighting whoever. So I'm sure that um, he'd be he'd be keen to go in. And yeah, it could be, could be a good fight. And it'd be a good test to see what Lucas um, does have at this stage of his life because um, he's not going to just fall over Dave Allen. So um, he'd have to fight him and it'd be a chance as well to impress back in front of the British public who obviously uh, were not impressed by what happened against Dillian White. Yeah, it was also revealed that going into the fight, he was on antidepressants. By the sounds of it, mentally, he just wasn't in, in the right space. So hopefully, you know, he sorted all of that out and get there, you know, physically and mentally. Yeah, well, obviously the most important thing is that he's, he is okay. So, um, yeah, the you know, obviously um, that, that's not an ideal way to go into a fight. It's not an ideal way to have to um, live your life. So just as long as um, 
he's okay. Whatever happens from here, if he stays fit and healthy, then um, good luck to him. I was actually going to ask if you'd spoken to um, Big Daddy since returning from from the UK, how he is mentally in that, and then Mickey Mickey brought that up in the question in his um, last little statement there that he was on the antidepressants mm-hmm. and. They say a happy fighter is a dangerous fighter, so hopefully, um, hopefully the big fella is uh, up in spirits and training the house down, ready to put a show on against Eisen and Rattay and um, get on with the job. And he'll get be on. Um, Has he got a new trainer now? Oh, I don't know. I, I did read that um, that he had a new trainer. I know he's got a new strength and conditioning trainer, so maybe that's what he was referring to, but... Um, I hadn't heard that he had left Rodney Williams and I would be surprised if that was the case because they had a really good bond. Um, obviously, a loss like that can make people make decisions like that, but um, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I would expect he to come back and train with um, Rodney Williams ahead of the fight, but um, yeah, I, I will have to check that. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. On that card as well, uh, Bill Alakaway is making his return. Um, I think he's in against TBA at the moment in an eight-rounder. But, um, yeah, it'll be a, a good night of boxing. It's at um, Punch Bowl as well. Jade, are you going to make the trip? No, I'll probably, uh, I'll probably have to miss out on that, which is a shame. You don't want to swarm the ring afterwards? No. you got no. something on. <laughs> I'd rather be anywhere than at Punch Bowl that night. I don't think I'd be welcome up there after all the fibs that have been told about me up there. I think you'd be fine. Look, you can, if you want to, you can stay on my lounge. We'll head out to punch. Actually, I'm, I'm overseas when that's on, I think. So, but you can still stay on my lounge. I'll leave a key out for you. And um, no, the good people of Punch Bowl, they'll treat you well. You'll have a good time. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I'm, I think I'm all that fucking popular in Punch Bowl. But uh, so I'll probably, I'll probably give that one a miss. Although. Um, well, All right, if you change your mind, let me know. I'll give you some restaurant recommendations and the like. It's um, yeah, the, the offer's there. Okay, excellent. No, but that, that's that's massive. Lucas Brown and Bilal on the same show in Punchbowl. Going on to the Lucas Brown Conqueror, Dylan White fighting Joseph Parker. That's a surprise matchup. I never would have picked that to be their next fight. That's a fun matchup. Oh man. Yeah. Well, Go, Jake. I'm just. I was just going to say the exact same thing again. Man, this is a fun fight. I, I love. I love the fact that they've just jumped straight into this fight with um, with Dillian White, obviously coming over the impressive win over our boy Lucas Brown, and um, and um, Parker just coming up short against uh, Joshua. I just think it's a brilliant, brilliant crossroads fight. Yeah, it's a really good-looking um, fight. I was in Vegas when this fight was announced, and I'd actually seen Kevin Barry, um, the trainer of Joseph Parker, just a, a day or so before. And at that stage, it still looked most likely that they'd be fighting with Joseph Parker against Brian Jennings. But um, then there was the offer made um, from Eddie Hearn uh, to Dave Higgins, and they went back and forth, uh, the two promoters, and apparently got it done within the space of about 24 hours. And the flight that was meant to be bringing Joseph Parker back to um, Vegas from New Zealand was uh, instead changed to a flight to go to the UK and announce this fight. And, yeah, it's a a very entertaining-looking fight after what we saw from the pair of them in their most recent outings. And um, it's not going to be for an interim WBO heavyweight world title, which was their hope. That's um, now been scrapped because of Povetkin's um, presence around the ratings in that division. But uh, still, it's a fight that puts the winner right back in the mix for a shot at um, Anthony Joshua or, you know, whoever else ends up with a 
a title in the not too distant future. And um, you'd have to think that Joseph Parker will go into that fight as a favourite, even though Dillian White was so impressive against Lucas Brown. And you think stylistically it does look like a winnable fight for Joseph Parker in his prime. I feel like it's a real 50-50 fight, which is why it's such a good matchup because they're the fights you want to see where you don't know who the clear winner is. I like... So, you know... and. I like the fact. Sorry, mate. I just talk straight out of the top of you yeah, as I do. No, I'm not changing. Don't speak over the top of me, mate. I'm, I'm, I have the floor. Um, yeah, look. I think size-wise, size-wise as well. We saw Parker wasn't able to get to Joshua, whereas Dillian White is not. He's not Anthony Joshua. Um, he's not that size. Super aggressive fighter. Um, it's just. Got excitement written all over it, and um, I can't wait. I think I think Parker is the fast slicker of the pair. He's probably got an edge in speed, but Dillian White is he's just an aggressive dude, and he's brutal to the body as well as we saw against um, Lucas Brown. He is a mm. next level body puncher. They call him the body snatcher for nothing. True. But yeah, I still think that just the um, the slickness of Joseph Parker and that um, the boxing ability that we even saw against Anthony Joshua, he he is um, he is world class. And um, Mickey, you and I watched that fight together, obviously at the at the venue, and um, gave Parker plenty of rounds against Anthony Joshua. Whereas Dillian White was obviously stopped after having buzzed Joshua in round two. Yeah. Um, you'd think when you line them up that Parker goes in as a favourite, but you're right, it's going to be such an entertaining fight. And at the O2 as well, um, a huge atmosphere. Dillian White's becoming a star over there. So, yeah, really entertaining and exciting stuff and a great thing for the heavyweight division um, because uh, with Joshua obviously being dominant and then waiting on this Deontay Wilder fight to happen and then the return of Fury and all the bits and pieces, this just adds a really enticing uh, further element to that division. The winner out of them two really, I guess, even separates them even more from the rest of the pack because there are a few names at heavyweight now and you do want to sort of separate yourself to get those big fights, you know, like your Tyson Furies and your Wilders and, you know, in a rematch with Joshua. Mickey, I know you are a huge um, Tyson Fury man. What did you make of uh, his return bout? Were you excited? Were you entertained? Look, I got up early, Answer the question, Mickey. 5 a.m. to watch the fight, and it was a very sloppy fight. It Safari, you call did it a fight? Sorry? Would you call it a fight? No, it was more just, uh, like, it looked like an exhibition fight. I mean, there was a brawl in the crowd, and Fury just was fixated on that. And you'd think, Safari, if, I, if, if anyone saw an opening there, just have a crack. Throw something, anything. Don't just look at the crowd as well. Your your opponent literally turned away from you. So he, he yeah. didn't look like he just came to collect the paycheck by the looks of it. Oh, yeah. He wanted nothing to do with it. There's no doubt about that. Mm. But for me, the disappointment was that Fury didn't engage. Fury didn't chase him. And Fury really didn't have to reach that far to hit him from the other side of the ring. No, too much shit, he just sort of stood there and, you know, threw a couple of shots that missed and grabbed him a bit. And, yeah, oh God, he's got a long way to go to be back um, being talked about for these proper fights, does Tyson Fury, I think. But yeah. we'll see, obviously, on the 18th of August, his next fight on the uh, Luke Jackson undercard, as it turns out. So <laughs> hopefully they step up the quality of opponent. How's that, Hopefully Jacko? he steps up the quality God. of his performance. Fury on his undercard. Sorry, just talk over you again there, <laughs> yeah. Mickey. <laughs> yeah. That's great, yeah. No, no, like- no, no, it's a great point. I think I think that's fantastic. And he's excited about it. You can tell uh, Luke Jackson. 
Yeah, he, he put a tweet out and then someone responded something like, nah, he's fighting on the Frampton undercard. And it was like, well, yeah, that's me. Yeah, well, that's who I'm fighting, mate. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's a, and it adds just a, an extra element for for Luke Jackson, an extra bit of excitement, the fact that it's going to be such a big occasion, that there's going to be plenty there to see Fury, and then he gets to come out and, you know, give a, his best account of himself. So, yeah, really great. I'm glad it's worked out the way it has. As far as, as, far as saying Fury's got such a long way to come back, Man, just how far he did come back with mental illness, alcohol, weight, drug addict, just just a whole lot, just a big fat pig, yeah. and um and to come come back like, I don't think he's going to be super motivated, and you're not going to see the best of him till he has that opponent in front of him. His fight was just getting to that last fight, and the whole event was just the return of Fury. Um, as far as picking the dude up and kissing him and stuff, um, yeah, Mickey probably enjoyed that. Yeah, but, um, value, yeah like, that's all well and good. But what if you were paying to go to that event and watch him stand there and not throw any shots and not chase the well, tiny little cruiserweight yeah, that he was fighting against? I, I think, understand that he had a journey to come back and he's tested positive a couple of times and he's had all sorts of issues. But listen, if, really, when you get back in there, you have to throw some punches. Yeah. Otherwise, what's the point? I know, but... It was it was about the journey back, and I didn't even tune in and watch that fight because I knew what it was. But if you're if you're <laughs> right. if you're a okay. Tyson Fury fan, yeah, but people did tune in, and I was I was happy as Larry for him to be back, and I really I do believe that he can compete with uh, with Joshua and Wilder, but he just needs that motivation. It seems that okay. it seems that he's he's sort of straight back in the gym again. He's not not messing around. He's he's going to stay busy. And even he's pretty honest in his in his assessment of himself and where he's at. So, I, I think it's it's going to be a little bit of a road to travel yet for Fury. But um, okay, well, your homework today, Jade, is to go and watch uh, the Fury comeback fight three. I times did it was shit, like and I watched. I, <laughs> I flicked through it once. Okay, but I'm just All talking right. about his journey on the way back. The Fury we saw against Safari. How does he do against like a value? Well. It depends what happens with him. Like, you'd think that he beats Tony Bellew nine times out of ten, but if that Tyson Fury comes out against Tony Bellew, then I guess Bellew probably beats him. But, yeah, I think when um, that fight were to be plausibly made, um, he would go in a massive favourite. I couldn't even care about the actual fight itself. <laughs> Man, how much fun will the, will the uh, build-up to that fight be? Those two guys are two of the hilarious. greatest shit talkers on this planet. I, I love both those guys. Super entertaining. The gloves are off for that would be just probably more entertaining than the fight itself. I would love to see that. Well, definitely, yeah. Well, that's the case with most Tyson Fury fights. Yeah. <laughs> the build-up is more entertaining than the fight itself. Yeah. But, um, yeah, look, I, I don't – it doesn't sound like um, – the Fury side are particularly interested in in that fight, but it would think you'd think it would make some sense. Like they're both massive names over there, and they've both established uh, huge fan bases. I think it would be a good fight down the track. Maybe after Fury's had one or two more, I don't know if Bellew will have another one in between. But um, yeah, I, I'd be very um, interested to see it happen at least. Uh, and yeah, as you've said, um, there'd be a bit of a build up. Yeah, you know, and if, as I say, if it makes money, it makes sense. And you'd think that that would, you know, it would do pretty good numbers. Yeah, 
Yeah, I would have thought so. Um, you know, you have the query of uh, Eddie Hearn uh, and uh, Frank Warren having to work together on yeah. what would likely be a pay-per-view event, how that would take place. There'd be a lot of negotiations. Um, Fury would be a very difficult person for not only his own promoter, but for rival promoters to uh, have to deal with in and around the negotiation process of that. But um, it'd be a headache to make, but... Um, if anyone can do it, you'd think that Eddie Hearn would be the man. Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn have expressed, you know, interest in working together. So it's, you know, it's not impossible. Yeah. And yeah, hopefully it, yeah, it's something that does happen down the track. I, I wouldn't want to see him fight another, like a Safari or, you know, if he's no, going to fight a cruiserweight, no might that. as well be Bellier. That ship sailed. He's back. Yeah. It's time to start organizing some serious fights. Yeah, I mean, there's even Manuel Charles got the WBA regular belt. Like, he can even, he did say he wanted to be, be awesome. by the end of the year. Um, Emmanuel Tra did like a, a year or two ago kind of did this weird getting Tyson Fury's face to start some something I don't know what that was all about so at the time I thought oh, maybe he'll make a comeback against him but yeah there could be you know a couple fights down the track you can get a you know a world title yeah but that that even for his next even for his next fight Manuel Char's not on the level of of a Parker or um, a Parker Dillian White uh, Lewis Ortiz, certainly not on a Joshua Wilder level. Um, I'd, I'd like to see that fight next for Fury. Why not? That will happen on this short notice, though. But Of course. But... And Fury doesn't seem willing to take too many risks. So he might even see that as a Even though the rest of the world doesn't, He his team might nah. still see that as a risk. Yeah. Given He'll be fighting someone a step up from Sosferi in Bloody his like one step up, not not two. Hey, fellas, I I have to go see my specialist now to go sort my shoulder out. So you boys, right to wrap her up? I'm a, I'm going to uh, I'm have to shoot through. <laughs> okay, that's no problem. I don't think that's uh, accepted etiquette in podcast making, yes, but um, we can we can wrap it up uh, as you like. No, no, uh, no. You, you, you just replace them with you guys, or, or should we keep you, going? You, we can do. We can just you keep guys going. can keep going. I'm just saying, I'm out of here. I got to go get this shoulder fixed. What about that, Mickey? It's not like him to pull out of something. <laughs> is it? Ah, no, I've never seen oh, it. fuck you, Ben Damon. <laughs> All right, You're pretty tough up there in Sydney. Okay. <laughs> the only real topic we've got left to cover back on the domestic scene is the future card coming up headlined by Jaya Patea. Yep, he's fighting uh, Curtis Pegararo as the main event of that future card. So that's DDP. They're doing their sort of next generation uh, cards. And the first of those is on Friday night. It'll be in Brisbane. There's still tickets, I believe. Uh, it'll be at the Pullman Hotel. And um, yeah, it's a. A nice undercard as well with a few debutantes and a couple of um, pretty impressive amateurs turning pro. Joe Goodall, um, they're still trying to figure out his opponent, but obviously with Opatire as the main event, uh, it'll be a good show. I'm heading up there and there'll be a live stream of it through Epicenter as well. So uh, looking forward to that. But yeah, lots of stuff happening and uh, looking forward to talking to you boys again next time. Great. Well, I guess that wraps it. Jade, have you, I'm, I'm still, I'm have still you left? Here. Or you... I'm still here. I'm still <laughs> over here just seething. But, uh, <laughs> we'll see, All right. see you boys next week. All right. All right, mate. See ya. Good luck at the specialist. See you, Mickey. Bye. See you later.